people we're back in business that's right i'm live i'm still dave rubin this is still the rubin report direct message it's february 28th 2022 and i was off last week i was on vacation with the family in florida it was actually the first time that my family parents brothers sister spouses wives husbands all the nieces and nephews that we had all gotten together in one place since covid began so over two years ago this is a family vacation we try to do uh, every President's Week, so every February, uh, did not do it last year. The last one we did was two years ago, and then basically the lockdowns kicked in right after that. Uh, so it was it was needed, and I am rested and rejuvenated. But I do have to say, if I learned one thing this week, and I took a lot of long walks on the beach without my phone and uh, drank some margaritas, ate a lot of grouper, but if I learned one thing, it's that uh, you really should try to do what you love because I actually did miss being in here. I really did. And uh, as we'll get to in a moment, it was a bit of a bizarre week to take off. There's a new war. We got that and we wrapped up COVID and uh, the Canada thing ended and a whole bunch of other stuff. And it was like, I wanted to be connected. And you know, when people see me at the beach or at a restaurant, everyone wants to talk about politics. And I'm trying to tell people, well, I'm trying not to pay that much attention. But on the other hand, I'm like, there's so much going on. I gotta say something. And all that just kind of added up to like, yeah, I'm happy to be back in studio and back with you guys. And I'm gonna try my best. This is gonna be one of those things. I'm really gonna try as we've now entered this new war, even though technically it's not an American war. We're not part of this, although you can't really, uh, really see that through if you're watching the mainstream media. It seems like we're at war right now. Technically, we are not at war. Um, but I'm going to really, really do my best to try to give you as honest information on this thing, this Ukraine-Russia thing, as possible, because it is very, very hard to pilfer any truth out of the mainstream media. And as we've been talking about here for years at this point, they lie about so many things that now in a case like this, where there is a massive really game-changing, sort of world-changing war in Europe, right? Uh, it's like, who do you believe? If, if you believe that the New York Times lies about pretty much everything, if you believe that CNN lies about pretty much everything and, and the rest of them, well, then why would they be telling you the truth on this? And that makes it hard for everybody, including a guy like me that has to, for a living, sit with some stuff and go, well, how can I communicate some of these ideas to people so that they don't go crazy, so they're, they're, they're not going down the conspiracy rabbit hole, so they're not being just swallowing propaganda, et cetera, et cetera. So I am going to do my best regarding all of that, so we'll talk about Ukraine and Russia in just a sec. But I wanna do one thing real quick before we start, because Joe Biden's State of the Union address is tomorrow night. Uh, Joe Biden is the elderly man pretending to be president of the United States, as you know, and uh, in advance of his State of the Union, you're not gonna believe this. Can we pull up the tweet, Connor? According to breaking 911, Congress drops mask mandate ahead of Biden's State of the Union speech on Tuesday. Mask wear is now an individual choice option, the Capitol attending physician said. My God, is there anything more miraculous than science? And they can wrap up the vaccine mandates and they can give choice again to the people. And it just so happens to be 
about 36 hours before the guy's going to give the big speech, realizing that his uh, approval is in the tank. The Democrats are being obliterated across the world. We got a war and everything else. Uh, it's just pure nonsense. And we will see. We will see if the good progressives, the science-loving Democrats like AOC and the rest of them, who mostly have not voted in person for the past two years, and they've done everything by proxy or by computer or however else they do it, uh, we'll see if they wear masks or if just suddenly they've agreed. We just agree. I was wearing masks two days ago, not when I'm on vacation in Florida, but now I agree. And I'm not going to wear a mask while I'm in a room with a bunch of these elderly people. And then I just thought we'd th throw you one other video quick uh, before we get to the Ukraine stuff and everything else. And I want to do a bit on Canada as well. Uh, this is Biden. You may remember this. This was uh, late November, early December, talking about how we were all going to die because of COVID. It's here now and it's spreading and it's going to increase. For unvaccinated, we are looking at a winter of severe illness and death for unvaccinated. For themselves, their families, and the hospitals, they'll soon overwhelm. But there's good news. If you're vaccinated, you have your booster shot, you're protected from severe illness and death. Yeah, so we never had that winter of severe illness or death. Yes, Omicron did run around the country and all over the world and all sorts of people vaccinated and unvaccinated did get COVID. I, not vaccinated, Dave Rubin, did survive after three days of leg aches, uh, but there was no severe illness. The whole point of Omicron actually was that it was not severe. So the more people that caught it, then we started building up natural immunity. Uh, there was no severe death. It just didn't happen. Uh, notice that I'll give, you, I'll give you an advanced tip for tomorrow's speech. Joe's not gonna tell you any numbers related to why two weeks ago he wanted a vaccine mandate and tomorrow he won't want one because they never do, right? This is what Fauci always does. The, uh, well, when the numbers get low enough and what they mean by that is when it's politically expedient, that's when we'll do the thing that the rest of us have been screaming about for two years. So there, there were no overrun hospitals this winter, none of it. They have fear-mongered and fear-mongered and fear-mongered and our job, people, and I'm ready to continue the job now that I'm back in studio, is to expose their nonsense. All right, before we get to uh, Ukraine, Russia, some Canada stuff, and a whole bunch more, I wanna talk to you guys about ZStack. You know, if the last two years have taught us anything, it's that you must take control of your own health, especially when you hear videos like that from that elderly gentleman. It's clear that you can't simply rely on the government or big pharma to protect you or your family. That's where ZStack comes in. I've got one right here. ZStack is a specially formulated immune-boosting immune supplement that includes zinc, quercetin, vitamin C, and vitamin D, formulated by Dr. Vlad Zelenko, the world-renowned doctor that President Trump credited with his successful early treatment protocol and his decision to take, take HCQ. ZStack has been scientifically formulated, is kosher and GMP certified, and is produced right here in the good old US of A. Although mask mandates are being lifted and vaccine mandates are no longer enforced in several states and apparently federally starting today or tomorrow or something like that, viruses are still out there. By taking Z-Stack daily, you're supercharging your immune system. Z-Stack is formulated to help combat any and all variants as well as the common cold and the flu. So I encourage you to start taking it now to stay ahead of any potential future variants by preparing your immune system and going about living your life. Wouldn't that be novel? Go to zstacklife.com slash Dave today and enter the promo code Dave to get a small discount off your first order. That's zstacklife.com slash Dave, promo code Dave. And now back to me. All right, so I was off last week and obviously for the two, three weeks before that, we went pretty heavy 
on the trucker situation up in Canada and that there was a group of people, freedom-loving, decent people up in Canada who were not racists or bigots or anti-Semites or transphobes who just wanted Canada to open up. They just wanted to go back to work. They wanted their kids back in school. They didn't want everyone masked. They didn't want mandates, et cetera, et cetera. They drove a bunch of trucks across the country. Justin Trudeau freaked out. He uh, did his Emperor Palpatine move and got his emergency powers. They were going to freeze bank accounts of all sorts of people. And then fortunately, because some people stood up and some people were not afraid to use their voice. And for a week, Justin Trudeau got trashed in the media and it seemed like his own country was turning against him as it should. Well, you're not going to believe it. This was the crisis of all crises. He had to invoke the Emergencies Act. Well, he got rid of it. And today, after careful consideration, we're ready to confirm that the situation is no longer an emergency. Therefore, the federal government will be ending the use of the Emergencies Act. We are confident that existing laws and bylaws are now sufficient to keep people safe. Of course, we'll continue to be there to support provincial and local authorities if and when needed. And I want to reassure Canadians, law enforcement agencies are prepared to deal with anyone engaging in unlawful or dangerous activities. Police officers will continue to be there to protect our streets and neighborhoods within their jurisdictions. All right, so let me be clear about this. Although, although Justin Trudeau did do the right thing after doing the evil thing and being exposed for it, he is still a very, very bad man. You saw, you saw over the course of those 10 days or so, as he made protest illegal, as he threatened to freeze people's bank accounts, as his government started looking in to the financial transactions of private citizens, you saw what lies beneath his progressive, liberal, tolerant nonsense that he constantly spews. And even the tenor with which he talks, he sounds very soft and nice, and he loves his LGBTQLMNOP people. But he's really just an evil authoritarian freak. So I would like to applaud all of the people in Canada who stood up, who did not break the law, who protested at peacefully as it is their right in a Western nation to protest your government, who had their voices heard, who then got premiers of some of the provinces to rescind some of the mandates, to start opening up. They did it all right. So golf clap for you good people. You did it right. I'm glad that we were uh, able to amplify some of the voices and some of the stories. Obviously we did it here and, and many other shows did it as well. Uh, and it shows that individuals can make a difference. If a bunch of individuals had not decided to do this, there is no doubt that Canada would still be in lockdown. There is no doubt that Trudeau would still be figuring out ways he could silence his people, okay? So it shows you have power and that's what they fear more than anything else. We the people have power. I know we the people is an American phrase, but we the people, you the people up in Canada, you got some power too. And these people should be credited. Uh, and if any of their bank accounts were frozen or any of them were arrested or whatever it is, uh, hopefully that will all be taken back. And, and, and Trudeau probably owes these people reparations for the fear that he caused. I mean, imagine thinking you were going to lose your job because you showed up to a protest 
or that your bank account was going to be frozen if you gave $5 to something that was perfectly legal when you gave the money and then three days later the government decides to make it illegal to give money to these people and you think you're going to lose your job or you're not going to be able to pay your rent or whatever it might be. He is a, he is a bad dude, but when good people stand up against bad dudes, guess what guys, some good stuff happens. So congratulations again to everyone in Canada. And by the way, the fight has just begun, right? Like this guy's making it very clear. Oh, if you guys misbehave again and do anything illegal, even though no one did anything illegal this past time, we're going to come get you and law enforcement's watching out for you. So he's a bad dude. But there, there's a little bit of a win here. And this is one of the things that I try to talk about all the time, which is if we get a win, you know, if, we, if something good happens, if Glenn Youngkin wins in Virginia, pushing back critical race theory, if the truckers peacefully protest and then the end result is that some of these mandates will be scaled back, we got to acknowledge it. We got to sit with it and go, all right, it was we the people who did something good. So that is a beautiful thing. Justin Trudeau, I still don't like you and I will keep coming after you because you're a bad man. A very, very bad man. Uh, Justin Trudeau is manscaped, though. There's no doubt that this is a guy who manscapes. And, uh, you know, men's below-the-waist grooming. Well, let's talk about it for just a moment. If you haven't heard about it yet, Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. <laughs> That's good. Uh, they recently launched the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle, the Performance Package. And you can join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer. You'll get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with my code Ruben at manscaped.com. This performance package has it all. You get the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, crop preserver deodorant for the air down there, crop reviver toner, performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. Manscaped has revolutionized the field of self-care for men. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. It's all part of their advanced skin-safe technology, and it's waterproof and includes a 400K LED spotlight in case you need to get a little more precise when you're shaving. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUBIN at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com using code Ruben. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And now back to me. Okay, so let's get to it. Let's talk about Russia and Ukraine for just a moment. I'm going to caffeinate so I do it right for you. Ah, there we go. All right. So obviously the big story last week is that Russia, led by Vladimir Putin, has invaded Ukraine. Okay, Ukraine is an independent nation. They have largely allied with the West over the last decade or so. And Putin, for weeks, actually, for about the last two months, this was a sort of slow motion war, right? We kept hearing there's going to be a war one of these days in, in Ukraine. Russia is going to send troops in. And Biden kept hinting it, too. It was almost as if Biden was acting as Putin's press agent. Well, he may go in and we're thinking about what he's going to do. And he may. And if he has to, he'll do what he does. All the usual nonsense. So I am going to try my best. I really mean this. I always try this, but I really mean it for this because it's just such a cluster F of misinformation out there. Uh, I'm going to do my best to lay out sort of a, uh, let's say an unemotional case as to what really is going on here. And then I can obviously share my opinions on that. So we, we looked for a bunch of stuff uh, and Phoenix found this piece from Ben Shapiro. And obviously Ben Shapiro, he knows his stuff. I think we read it and I thought it was like a pretty solid version of just the facts of what's going on right now. So this is from the Daily Wire uh, from 
Ben Shapiro. So Russia has invaded Ukraine. The invasion has been a long time in the making. So what drove Putin? The answer comes from Putin's own mouth. Just days ago, he gave a militant speech in which he said, Ukraine is not just a neighboring country for us. It is an inalienable part of our own history, culture, and spiritual space. Since time immemorial, the people living in the Southwest of what has historically been Russian land have called themselves Russians. The real reason Putin is moving now is threefold. First, Russia has a major advantage right now, natural gas and oil. Europe has spent the last decade destroying its own energy capacity at the behest of Greta Thunberg and company. Second, the West has demonstrated utter incapacity to challenge Putin's prior predations. Putin has no reason to think that any consequences will either long, will be, excuse me, will be either long lasting or significant. And on a broader level, Putin has watched as the West surrenders to aggressive dictatorial powers repeatedly from Hong Kong in 2020 to Afghanistan in 2021. Third, Putin envisions a reimagined world order. He clearly lusts for a return to Russian glory, and he sees that China has oriented itself under Xi Jinping toward a similar purpose. So let me back out for just one second. So, okay, so that, that's a basic explanation of what's going on here using Putin's own words. He just believes fundamentally that Ukraine belongs to greater Russia, okay, right? Like that's just the sort of basic idea here. Now you can believe uh, that that is true or not. The Ukrainian people obviously do not believe that. And I believe that they have a right to defend their own land, as I would argue any people on earth have a right to do. And how you go about doing that, that is where the, the devil lies in the details. Okay, so this was a slow motion attack for about two weeks where they kept saying, we're gonna do it. When are we doing it? There's gonna be a troop buildup. There was all this weird stuff like, is it gonna happen? It has to happen. And then things sort of get their own entropy and, and clearly it was on the way. We all knew it was gonna happen and it was just a matter of when it was gonna happen. So first we have a, a video compilation of uh, some of the attacks going on in Ukraine by the Russian army. Okay, so the reason I wanted to show you guys that, and I'm sure you're seeing the clips on Twitter or wherever else you go for this kind of stuff, uh, but the reason I wanted to show you that little compilation there was because this is real. This is real stuff. You know, if you watch mainstream media, it's so much about the, the players involved, right? This is Putin wants to go in and do this, and it seems almost inhuman that there's no 
human level of what's going on there. Those are people's houses. Those are people's apartments. These are, this, Ukraine is a free sovereign nation that's a member of the United Nations. Uh, and Russia just decided to go in for whatever their reasons are, that they believe in this greater Russia, Russia idea. That's what Putin believes in. And they just decided we're going to kill people. We're going to attack infrastructure. We're going to cause people to flee. Uh, right now in Ukraine, if you're a male between, I believe it's 18 and 61, uh, they're basically drafting you into the army right now. They're handing out weapons, which sort of makes you think that perhaps uh, citizens should have weapons. It's a good thing we've got that Second Amendment here in the United States. Um, and I also wanted to mention that on a, on a personal note of this, you know, we have a locals office uh, in Ukraine. I don't want to say what city it's in, but the city is under attack right now. Uh, and I want to give a shout out to, to six of our guys that are there, Mikola, Maxim, Vitali, Vlad, and Evgeny, um, all work in, in one of our offices there. Uh, they're safe, we're, we're in contact, the SAF, the CEO of Locals, is in contact with them and we're trying to figure out what we can do to help them. Um, and it's real, like this is real stuff. These are people that just want to live, that did not anticipate that, you know, say six months ago, oh, we'd be fleeing our homes or we'd be separated from our families or anything else. So it's, uh, there's a human part of this that I just think we can't forget because we can all get lost in, in the sort of social media part of it of Putin versus Biden and all of that stuff. Anyway, what's, what's particularly interesting uh, about all of this is that the Ukrainian president, his name is Vladimir Zelensky, and in a bizarre twist, as I'm sure some of you have heard already, he is a comedian. He is a stand-up comedian. He is a Jewish stand-up comedian. So this, in essence, is like if Jerry Seinfeld became the president of the United States. That's sort of what happened here in Ukraine. Makes you, you know, it's like, all right, pretty good. You know, why not have a comedian as, as president or prime minister? Seems good enough. Well, this guy has proven himself to be what a true leader is. So we just talked about Justin Trudeau a moment ago, a guy who wants power to control people. Well, many leaders would have fled the country by now because he knows, Zelensky, that there is a mark on him, right? Like Putin would gladly take him out if given the opportunity and perhaps he's just waiting for the right moment. Well, Zelensky is, is not leaving. He could leave. He is not leaving. He is staying and fighting. Here's his first message to the people of Ukraine and to the world. Складати зброю нашу армію і де евакуація. Значить так, я тут, ніякої зброї ми не складемо, будемо захищати нашу державу, тому що наша зброя – це наша правда. Наша правда в тому, що це наша земля, наша країна, наші діти, і ми все це будемо захищати. Ось і все. Ось це і є те, що я хотів вам сказати. Слава Україні! I want you to really, for just one second, think about the bravery of this guy. There is no doubt with Russian intelligence, they know exactly where Zelensky is. There is no doubt, simply no doubt, that through a drone strike or whatever other means or a jet or whatever they got to do, a guy on the ground, that they could take him out. And there he is standing there saying, we will defend our land. We will defend our country. This is not what most leaders would do. It really is not what most leaders would do in a situation like this, a situation that seems so insurmountable, right? The Ukrainian army is nothing compared to the Russian army. But it's not just Zelensky uh, that is proudly defending his nation. He's got a whole bunch of other officials that have not fled Kiev and are standing and fighting and making sure the world knows. Всім добрий вечір. Лідер фракції тут. Голова Офісу Президента тут. 
Прем'єр-міністр Шмигаль тут, Подоляк тут, президент тут. Всі ми тут, наші військові тут, громадяни суспільства тут, всі ми тут. Захищаємо нашу незалежність, нашу державу. І так буде і далі. Слава нашим захисникам, слава нашим захисницям. Слава Україні! Man, it can choke you up. We are not going to flee. We are going to defend our independence. I mean, that, that's what it's all about. And, and to see leaders doing the right thing, it's, it's rare these days. Now, uh, we have this guy, Joe Biden, who's president of the United States, and he's been busy with a lot of different things. Uh, just the other day, he nominated Katanji Brown Jackson to be the next Supreme Court justice. As you know, he decided that he would choose a black woman in the name of diversity. Oddly, didn't go with a Native American or a trans lesbian or an Asian woman or something. Black woman, gotta be a black woman. So while this is all going on, Biden gave a little speech and he got a little crossed up at the end of it. I, this is a little heavy handed, but ah, I'm having fun. Let me pull this out for you. Where, where, where is it? There you go. You got it? Okay. Say, presidents can't do much. Presidents can't do much. I mean, Putin is sitting in a room laughing right now. He is, he is drinking vodka and laughing. But okay, I get it. It was a little heavy-handed, Dave. You're right, people. Uh, so now here's Jen Psaki. She is the White House press secretary, as you know. I'm not a fan of Jen Psaki. She cannot say anything true. Uh, here she is explaining how the Biden administration is actually succeeding with our policy-related to Russia and sanctions. There's a report in the New York Times that you guys kept asking China to help you stop Russia from invading Ukraine, and they didn't. So what have you guys done throughout this slow-moving Russia crisis that has worked? In what capacity? Well, I, the president talked to Putin. He talked to the G7. He threatened sanctions. He put sanctions in place. Now he says the sanctions are going to take 30 days. Uh, or about a month. Do you guys think the people in Ukraine have about a month? Well, Peter, let me just take a step back and explain to everyone how diplomacy works and how our approach from the United States has worked. Uh, what the president has done is he has built a global coalition uh, to stand up in the face of President Putin and President Putin's aggression and uh, invasion of Ukraine. Uh, what he has done is he has rallied uh, the world, our U European partners, even at cost to them in some capacities, to put in place uh, significant sanctions, historic sanctions that would have a, uh, a, a, a enormous impact on the Russian financial sector. Dave, breathe deep, because as she says that with a straight face, that we've put enormous sanctions, powerful sanctions, these are deep sanctions, these are sanctions that'll do a lot, well, here's Deputy National Security Advisor Dalip Singh talking about those sanctions. To be clear, our sanctions are not designed to cause any disruption to the current flow of energy from Russia to the world. I, well, that, I couldn't have just, did I just, maybe I didn't hear that right. Can we get that one one more time? Because she said, I, it was very clear that we're doing a lot with sanctions and we're going to stop these people because they're bad people. To be clear, our sanctions are not designed to cause any disruption to the current flow of energy from Russia to the world. Do you realize how bananas that is? Sanctions, what you do with sanctions is sanctions are designed so that you don't have to go 
to war so that you don't have to bomb people. So let's say you want another country to do something. Let's forget what it is. We don't have to make this about Russia, Ukraine, anything else. You just have some leverage over a country. You want them to do something, right? They're the good guys, they're the bad guys. You want them to do something, but you say, I don't want to bomb these people and cause all of that damage and death and all that. So you use sanctions. This are, these are ways of turning the levers of economics so that the country will hopefully do what it is that you would like. So that's what you do with sanctions, but we are telling them, we are quite literally telling Russia that the sanctions we're putting in are not gonna affect your energy and not gonna affect the export of your energy and the oil and all of that stuff. This is a problem. So what she says there, what Sake says, in essence is all nonsense. Well, we've put together a big group of people and we're all gonna do a lot of stuff. And you know, in about a month, a whole bunch of stuff's gonna happen. And Peter Ducey at Fox News, who I often give a lot of credit to, I give him more credit because he even says, do the people of Ukraine have a month? Do you think Zelensky out there right now with a ragtag bunch of people who are being handed weapons as his citizens are fleeing to get to the borders and Poland's trying to figure out how many people they can take and all of this stuff, do you think they have a month while we're, putting in sanctions that actually won't do much of anything, that would be the equivalent of trying to punish your kid and saying, you know what, you, you really did bad. You did that bad thing and we're gonna put you up in your bedroom and you know, yeah, there are your PS5s up there and you're gonna get unlimited soda and pizza and we got a hooker in there too and some cocaine. Have fun at it, will you? you know, go for it. I'm not a parent yet, so that seemed like what a parent would do. I don't know, I'm working on it. Um, th these people are just, absolutely ridiculous. And now speaking of ridiculous people, I saw this clip this morning. This is from MSNBC. And MSNBC, as I have often described, is a mental institution uh, that they put on television where people say completely insane things, but they do it with under the guise of, you know, pretending that they know what they're talking about. And I just would like to just say, I am not related to this guy. Look at his last name. This is the definition of giving aid and comfort to the enemy. This is exactly why Vladimir Putin misses Donald Trump so much, because he knew in Donald Trump he had a pliable person sitting in the Oval Office. He knew in Donald Trump he had a president of the United States willing to withhold defensive military equipment, javelins in this case, back in 2018-2019 from Ukraine, in order to steal the upcoming election. Uh, Donald Trump's track record on Vladimir Putin is an embarrassment for the country. If Donald Trump were still in the White House, NATO would be in disarray and Vladimir Putin would be driving right through the heart of Europe. There is no doubt in my mind or in anyone in the national security community's mind that if Donald Trump were president, he would be saying exactly what he's saying now. And that would be facilitating this reckless, vile, invasion of Ukraine. You really have to admire these people who can get everything wrong and in some ways have their entire worldview just summed up by what Donald Trump did or didn't do. Everything that that guy just said, Rubin, even with the same spelling, it's really disappointing. I am not related to Joel Rubin. I am not related to Jennifer Rubin. I may have to change my name. But it, it's in all of our branding at this point. It would be very, can we look into it? We're gonna have to create a whole new graphics package. It's gonna be a pain in the ass. Uh, but these people are ridiculous. We had four years of Donald Trump. Now you may not like Donald Trump and you may say he was orange. You didn't like the way he tweeted. His hair is a little funny. You may not like any of the things about Donald Trump. That's very possible. But 
uh, Vladimir Putin did not attack Ukraine under Donald Trump. Do you think that maybe, perhaps, had a little something to do with that Donald Trump was thought of as a little erratic? We didn't know what he was going to do. Maybe we were going to get into a war that we carried a big stick. He, he had a lot of bravado and all that stuff. Maybe. But the idea that, that oh, God, these people. And they put this on MSNBC. And then people are watching it and going, this is all Donald Trump's fault. And it's like, Donald Trump is not even the freaking president. He's not even the president. Well, Donald Trump did uh, go to CPAC up in Orlando this past weekend, and he talked about Russia, Ukraine, and Joe Biden's response. Take a look. And a major war in Europe may very well erupt. That's how they start, exactly what's happening today. This is how they start. Joe Biden has turned calm into chaos, competence into incompetence, stability into anarchy, and security into catastrophe. The Russian attack on Ukraine is appalling. It's an outrage and an atrocity that should never have been allowed to occur. It never would have occurred. We are praying for the proud people of Ukraine. God bless them all. God bless them all. All right, so let me go back to where I started the show today. I'm gonna to try to give you as honest an assessment of all of this as possible. So I'm not gonna sit here and tell you that if Donald Trump was president, this absolutely would not have happened. I don't know, right? I don't think anyone really knows. We don't know the full nature of their relationship, whether Putin feared Trump more or whatever else it might be. So that's one piece of this. The next piece is that there's just simply no doubt that a guy like Vladimir Putin is looking at the United States, looking at a deeply, deeply unpopular president with extraordinarily low approval ratings, Joe Biden, low 30s, low 30s, basically lower than at any point during Trump's presidency, despite the whole media trying to prop him up all the time. Looking at all of our division right now, looking at our supply chain problems, looking at the debacle in Afghanistan, looking at inflation, all of the stuff and going, oh, there's a weak president, maybe I have an opportunity now, okay? That's not picking sides for me, right? Like that's just the reality of what geopolitics is. Like you look at leaders and you say, oh, that leader of that nation is strong. Those guys have some weapons. They like to exert their influence. Maybe we shouldn't mess with them. Maybe we shouldn't be invading sovereign nations. Or you might look at a leader that says, oh, you can run past our red lines as Obama did in Syria or our, our economy is not good here, so I'm kind of weak, so we know that that guy is just sort of not liked, and all, all of that, right? So these are the realities of geopolitics. You don't have to know everything about the inside, uh, every, every little in and out of exactly what's going on in Russia and Ukraine to understand sort of bigger worldwide trends. And I mean, I wrote about this in my book, like strong leaders and strong countries don't go to war. Right, you can exert influence in other ways. You can use sanctions, perhaps, to get things done, but you can't use sanctions when you actually say that the sanctions aren't really sanctions, because we're not gonna affect the stuff that really upset you. Cause... Anyway, let's talk about Joy Behar for just a second, because this, I saw this clip, I was sitting on the beach. Why did I open my phone? Why? I don't know why. I was sitting there, it was a beautiful day. It's getting sun, you can see I got a little color in my face. I was drinking a margarita. I was actually building a sandcastle. I'm getting quite good at the drip castle with my nieces and nephews. I'm building really incredible stuff. Anyway, something happened. I picked up my phone. I have a text message from somebody. You gotta see what Joy Behar just said. 
You got to see Estimates it. are 50,000 Ukrainians mm -hmm. will be dead or wounded. Yeah. And that this is going to start a humanitarian crisis, a refugee crisis in Europe. We're talking yeah. about 5 million people yeah. that, that are going to be displaced. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's heartbreaking to hear what is going to happen. Yeah. Well, I'm scared of what's going to happen in, in Western Europe, too. Yeah. Ah. You know, you just, you plan a trip, you want to go there, I want to go to Italy for four years. I haven't been able to make it because of, of uh, the pandemic. And now this, you know, it's, yeah. it's like, who's going to, what's going to happen there? Yeah. Joy, was that real life? Joy Behar is worried about her Italian vacation in Western Europe. Now, first off, this is all happening in Eastern Europe, but she's really just worried about herself, which is just the perfect perfect progressive how does this really affect her and her vacation which would no doubt be at all the fanciest hotels we had all the fanciest restaurants and everything it's so extraordinarily out of touch it's just ab like it's jaw-dropping it's actually jaw-dropping what she just said there just absolutely incredible joy i know you live in new york city go down to italy okay it's in tribeca and it's a big restaurant and it's a market and they've got wine and they've got a cheese section. You can get fresh pasta made. You can pretend you're in Italy. You'll be okay. You crazy loon. Ah! Guys, it's Monday, which means it's meme Monday over at the Ruben Report Locals community. Here's the meme that I put up this morning, which was a perfect blend of what we did on the show today. Trudeau, jealous, another dictator taking all his press coverage. And there's Vlad. There you go. So we've got a whole bunch of you guys throwing your memes in there. It's one of my favorite days of the week. Monday, I get back to work. People putting some funny stuff. So you can join us at rubenreport.locals.com if you want to play along. Uh, and a couple comments from the Locals community. Uh, Pat says, every time Dave takes time off, some major cataclysm occurs. Afghanistan uh, was in last August. Yeah, you know, I don't know. Like, am I just connected into the system? But this is the point. This is actually why, and I mean this for everybody, whether, whether you do the sort of news culture stuff for a living or whatever you do, whether you're an electrician or a plumber or an accountant, taking a little time off of this stuff is also good because it gives you fresh eyes to look at all of it. And you, know, you can think about some of it without having to react to it constantly. But uh, yes, I will be doing Off the Grid August this August and Lord only knows what I will come back to. Anastasia says, where can I go for news on current events happening in Russia and Ukraine? You know, it's tough. This is what I started the show with. And, and this is what my challenge will be. And I hope that I will rise to the challenge and it'll be the challenge of these guys in the room with me right now, that as this unfolds, what, what, the real damage that has happened in this country beyond COVID and masks and lockdowns and everything else is the information war that we're in. That's what it is that people do, people see the same exact thing and believe completely different things, or people have catered news to themselves that they can't see reality, that so many of our pundits are liars and propagandists and everything else. And I, again, I will not sit here and pretend that I am an expert in Eastern European, Russian, Ukrainian relations, right? Like I'm pretty good on American politics. I know quite a bit about Canada, actually can do really well on Middle East stuff as well. This is not the part of the world that is my area of expertise, but I will do my job, I will do the, to the best of my ability, uh, a job to translate some of this stuff to you in, in a sensible way, because you guys have lives and jobs and things to do, and you wanna understand things. 
But I would guarantee you that over the course of the next few weeks as this unfolds, if you are the type of person that wakes up in the morning and has your coffee while reading the New York Times, you're gonna find out information that is quite different, if not 180 degrees different, than someone that reads, say, a more conservative-leaning outlet or maybe watches Tucker Carlson or whatever it is. So the Daily Wire, obviously, I think does a really nice job. Uh, I'm slightly partial, obviously, to The Blaze as well, but I think they do a really good job when it comes to just giving you facts. Actually, The Daily, uh, the Blaze does a really nice thing where they break down, like, here are just the facts of the story. And then they can have some editorial stuff as well. But if you read The New York Times, and, and my dad, God bless him, he still subscribes to The New York Times, and it was in the condo in Florida, and I, I mean, it's not a great way to start the day, just for the record. But I was reading some of the stories and it's like, it's, it's so subtle. It's subtle the way they editorialize everything. So you gotta watch out. So I'll do the best I can. And if you guys have any insight into that, uh, who we should be reading so that, you know, we can sort of translate that information and give it to you in, in bite-sized portions so you can have decent conversations with your friends and family about this stuff, uh, please do let us know. Uh, Zoe says, Ukraine versus Russia, is a democracy against a dictatorship, good against evil. This is everyone's war. You know, there are international protests all over the world right now, uh, people supporting Ukraine. And in essence, yes, that's what I started with also. Ukraine is a democracy. It is a Western democracy. They broke away from the Soviet Union. Russia now wants them back. Putin wants them back. But these people want to live freely. Listen to what Zelensky said there. They want to live freely. They deserve our support. I would also say they would deserve a, uh, an American leadership that had moral authority and clarity to, to help in a time like this. I don't know that we have that. And by the way, I can also say that, you know, there's a huge part of me, obviously, that has, has deep, deep libertarian beliefs. And part of me is also like, well, you know, we've got our own problems here. We've got a fentanyl problem. We've got a border problem. We've got all of the economic problems. We've still got all of the nonsense with wokeism and critical race theory. And all, like we have so much stuff that we have to deal with ourselves. It's like, how much can we do for the world? I think that's, an, that's not saying we have to be isolationist and we should never do anything and we should have no moral authority or never use our influence. But I think we can have an honest discussion about what we can do. Although if you try to have that honest discussion, then they say you're, you're, you're a Putin lover, a Putin supporter, something like that. A Putin puppet. Uh, guys, join us along for the show if you want. Uh, we do the live chat there every day at rubenreport.locals.com. My full interview with Dennis Prager, my good friend and confidant Dennis Prager, is up on YouTube and on Rumble and ad-free at rubenreport.locals.com. And my interview this week uh, will be with Harriet Hageman. She is the Republican running against Liz Cheney in Wyoming. It's a really interesting interview. I met her a couple weeks ago at an event here in Miami and I thought I have to have her on running against Liz Cheney, trying to sort of restore sanity to the Republican party and, and you know deal with this internal fight of whether you're gonna have these sort of pet Republicans that are loved by the media, say Liz Cheney, or people who will actually stand up uh, for whatever conservative principles they have. Uh, that is up already at rubenreport.locals.com and will be up on the YouTube and on Rumble today. All right, people, we're back in action here. I will, so oh, tomorrow, I mentioned it up top, tomorrow, uh, the State of the Union is at what time? It's probably about 8 p.m. It's at 9 p.m. Eastern. We will be live at 10 p.m. Eastern with full coverage. I may bring my fake newsman glasses. I promise you I'll bring tequila and I hope you will join us at 10 p.m whenever the elderly gentleman who's pretending to be president wraps up. 
and none of them will be wearing masks because I guess we've moved on from that thing and it's wartime now. So have a great day, everybody, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Rubin Report Direct Message. We're live on Rumble, Blaze TV, and YouTube every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific. Don't forget to review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're looking for early and exclusive content, you can join me on Locals at rubinreport.locals.com.